Amen. It's good to see you, beloved. Please turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 15 as we're back going through our series of the gospel according to Matthew. And it's been a while since we've been in Matthew back in November. So where we left off was Jesus has just fed thousands of people with a small sack lunch. He walked on water then to help his disciples who were caught in a storm. He's healed crowds of the sick and diseased and the paralyzed. And that's the last thing we see at the end of chapter 14. And then chapter 15 picks up with, as Jesus is always doing, going around and proclaiming the kingdom of God and how salvation is in him alone. But now he's been confronted by the Pharisees who are, who are the religious elite of the day. They're scholars. They're very important people. They control a lot of Jewish life and culture. Uh, but they're not, they're not the, the bad guys or the evil, the dark side of the Gospels. Um, they are, though, kind of Jesus's foes. They're always confronting him and correcting him, and they are one of the main reasons how he ends up under Roman crucifixion from a human side of, of looking at things. And today, they confront Jesus. They confront Jesus and his disciples, and what we're going to see in this confrontation here in chapter 15 is four dangers for disciples of Christ today. Four dangers that if you are a Christian that you could be susceptible to and that we must stand on guard for. And we see it beginning in verse one. So if you're able, let's stand together for the reading in honor of the word of Christ. It'll also be up on the screen. And our brother Matthew tells us by the power of the spirit, after Jesus had healed all these people in Gennesaret, then Jesus was approached by Pharisees and scribes from Jerusalem who asked, why do your disciples Break the tradition of the elders, for they don't wash their hands when they eat. He answered them, why do you break God's commandment? Because of your tradition. For God said, honor your father and mother. And whoever speaks evil of father or mother must be put to death. But you, you Pharisees, you say, whoever tells his father or mother, whatever benefit you might have received from me is a gift committed to the temple. So he doesn't have to honor his father. In this way, you have nullified the word of God because of your tradition. Hypocrites. Isaiah prophesied correctly about you when he said, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart, their heart is far from me. They worship me in vain, teaching as doctrines human commands. Summoning the crowd, he told them, listen and understand. It's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a person. Then the disciples came up and told him, do you know that the Pharisees took offense when they heard what you said? He replied, every plant that my heavenly father didn't plant will be uprooted. Leave them alone. They are blind guides. And if the blind guide the blind, both will fall into a pit. Then Peter said, explain this parable to us. Verse 16, do you still lack understanding? He asked. Don't you realize that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is eliminated? But what comes out of the mouth comes from the heart. And this defiles a person. 
For from the heart come evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, sexual immoralities, thefts, false testimonies, slander. These are the things that defile a person. But eating with unwashed hands does not defile a person. This is God's word. You may be seated. So what you saw is Jesus getting confronted by the Pharisees over something that they think is super important. So important that, did you see where these scribes and Pharisees, where they came from? Jesus is there on the shore of Galilee, there in the city of Gennesaret. And look at where, these are not local scribes and Pharisees. Where are they from? Verse one of chapter 15. They came from Jerusalem. These guys went on a road trip to confront Jesus. They thought it was that important. We gotta go confront them about some stuff that they're falling down on. And what was it? You can see it in verses one and two. Why do they break the traditions of the elders? Second half of verse two, for they don't wash their hands when they eat. Now, maybe you read that and thought, ew, they should be confronted. Sickos, they should be washing their hands before they eat. That, that is not the same hand washing that we're talking about. Matthew is not telling us today that our moms and aunts were a bunch of Pharisees when they made us wash our hands before dinner. This kind of hand washing was a religious ceremonial hand washing, one that was instituted for moral purity to fend off defilement. And the Pharisees are incensed that Jesus' disciples aren't keeping up with it. But here, here's the deal, beloved. This is what's happening behind the scenes here. The Old Testament never commands God's people to ceremonially wash their hands before they eat a kebab. They don't have undefiled hands before having some hummus. So what's the Pharisees' problem? The problem is they took something that was, was commanded of the priests and the Levites that serve in the temple, that before they would do and serve God in the temple, that they would go and wash and become ceremonially, religiously clean, getting rid of any defilements. So the Pharisees took what was commanded of the priest and they rolled it out on all of God's people. They extrapolated it, they rolled it out and tacked it now on as a tradition onto everyone's life. That before you eat, you have to ceremonially wash your hands because you may have bumped into an unclean thing at some point in the day. You may have touched an unclean animal. You may have grabbed the same water pail as someone who has a skin infection. You may have bumped into someone, a woman who is unclean because of, of her cycle. Or uh, There could be a million things that they could have been freaking out about that you're gonna be, un, you're gonna be defiled. And if you're eating with unclean hands, then you're gonna be in big trouble. So everybody needs to wash before they eat. And if you don't, you're breaking the tradition. This was their thinking. A way we could think about it as spiritual cooties. They're basically telling Jesus, how come your disciples haven't gotten their cootie shot before they eat? All you gotta do is circle, circle, dot, dot. And this is insanely serious to them. I mean, they came up from Jerusalem to confront Jesus about this. Not commanded in the Bible, tradition of the elders. Look at it again in verse two. Why do your disciples, who you're in charge of Jesus, you're leading them, you're breaking the tradition of the elders. I bet they feel so justified and in the right. And did you see Jesus's response to them? Oh, it was sweet. Look at what he says. So they say to him, why are you breaking the tradition of the elders? Look what Jesus says, verse three. Why do you break the Bible? 
Verse three, why do you break God's commandment? Because of your traditions. You're worried about me breaking traditions. You should be worried about you breaking the Bible, breaking God's word. And look at what he calls them in verse seven. Hypocrites, pretenders, phonies, showboaters, attention getters. Beloved, this is the first danger all true disciples of Christ face is pressure from pretenders. This is, what, this is what we're seeing in the first part of this passage is pressure from pretenders. So you have this kind of hand-washing that the Pharisees are talking about, these hypocrites, these actors who are parading that they're close to God, parading that they love God, that they excel with following God, and Jesus tells them you aren't even close. He says later that they're blind guides leading the blind. Do you ever think about that? Well, think about it today. You don't, back then, they would have had people who would lead the blind. It's their job. I'm gonna lead you around the city. Today, we have seeing eye dogs, and we have, they have the sticks, and they have, there's different tools today. This, today, it would be like saying, you're a blind seeing eye dog. That's not helpful. And Jesus says the Pharisees aren't helpful, but they're pressuring people. You gotta follow the tradition. You have to do this. You have to do that. Pressuring people to, to do a command that isn't in God's word. And they're judging people for it. You're not following the tradition. Judging Jesus for it. You're not leading your disciples the right way. And listen, Christian, as an apprentice of Jesus, you are going to be pressured by people to follow the traditions of the Bible Belt, to follow traditions of family, to do the traditions of your denomination you grew up in, whatever. But listen, Jesus doesn't want that for you. He does not want you to follow the pressure from pretenders. Listen, if it isn't commanded in the Bible, and listen, if it's not commanded in the Bible, and if it is not your personal conviction, as the great philosopher Dory once told us, just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. There are gonna be all kinds of traditions and pressures that you are gonna face in North Houston. And people will teach them to you, these traditions, these pressures, and that if you don't follow them, then you must be some kind of subpar Christian which just isn't true. And I've heard them in our area. I've had people confront me about them in our area. And I've heard from you in our church of different things that other churches, that pressures you felt that weren't biblical. And you're gonna experience them. The pressure to homeschool or send your kids to a Christian school as being the only options. And that if you don't do one or the other, you must be a subpar Christian. Listen, neither one of them is commanded in the Bible. When Deuteronomy 6 talks about training up your kids in the way of the Lord and, and all that kind of stuff, Moses is writing about teaching them the Bible and God's word, not what needs to be done when your children have to read Jane Austen or Frankenstein. These are different worlds. The command or the, pre, the pressure that people want the tradition of don't drink wine or alcohol, to not dance, to not play cards, to not watch movies, to not own a TV, to not have a streaming service, to not listen to secular music, that the pressure to vote a certain way, to dress at a certain level of niceness to go to church on Sundays, or the kind of Bible translation you have to use. I mean, on and on and on we could go, but here's what you need to know. Listen to the Bible, full stop. Even if I ever say anything, they're like, I don't really know if that's biblical. Chase it out, find it, 
And if it's not, if I say something that can't be hung on God's word, then ignore it. And if you want to do any of those things, certain kind of schooling, way you do your media, fine. If that's your personal conviction, do it. But never tie your standing before God to that. And then never judge others through that. This is what the Pharisees are doing. Tying their standing before God because of their traditions and then judging everyone else because of their traditions. And these pressures are all throughout the Bible. That's what the whole book of Galatians is all, I mean, Galatians is all about this. Of people telling the Galatian church, you have to be circumcised if you really want to be a Christian. There are people today that teach, if you want to really be a Christian, you have to speak in tongues. That's wrong. If you really want to make sure you're saved, you got to be baptized. That's wrong. Colossians is all about this too. The pressure to experience some kind of ethereal, ascetic Christianity that's not available to everybody, but it's varsity Christianity. So how are you going to withstand all the phony pressure out in the culture? Here's how. You got to know the Bible. That's, that's the only way. You got to know God's word. You got to know the truth, as Jesus says, and the truth will set you free. Free from wrong burdens, free from wrong pressures, free from sin, free from wrong yokes. But if you don't know the Bible, you will cave into the pressure. For example, my daughter loves soccer. U.S. women's soccer. She loves it. If I went to her and told her that, Ivy, if you want to be a great soccer player, you've really got to start playing keeper like Alex Morgan does. Or if you want to be a really good striker, you've got to learn to strike like Kelly O'Hara. My daughter would look at me and think, you're a fool. Here's why. Alex Morgan, he's with it. Brian knows. Alex Morgan isn't a keeper. She's a striker. That's why he's like, what does he think he's wrong? Kelly O'Hara, she doesn't, she's not a striker, she's a defender. She wasn't a striker in college, but she's a defender now on the U.S. women's team. But if you didn't know the U.S. women's team, you're like, yeah, that's good advice from Jeff. That's really good. But since Brian knows, he, the truth has set him free. He doesn't have to listen to my nonsense. And if you don't know this book, you will be led by a blind guide. If you don't know God's word, you will cave under the pressure. And you need to know God's word and you need to know this book, not just as something you Google. Do not have just a Google relationship with God's word. A lot of you probably want, man, I haven't been growing a lot this year. I just haven't been experiencing the kind of maturity and, and growth and fruit in my life but I read the Bible all the time. You probably Google the Bible a lot. But what has Googling ever gotten you? Anxiety, stress, fake cancer diagnoses, all kinds of stuff. If you Google the Bible, just what does the Bible say about this? What does the Bible say about this? And you don't know the Bible as the story of God's redemption. You need to know the Bible as an apprentice of Jesus of knowing the arcs and the narratives and the flow and the points and redemptive history and what God is doing through his crucified and risen son and how he is ushering in a new kingdom and a new world for all who've been forgiven by the blood of Jesus. When you know the Bible that way, you can withstand the pressure from pretenders because you'll also learn to avoid the second danger of misplacing authority of misplacing authority. This is kind of the, the flip side of, of the issue. Look, look at verse three. 
So Jesus tells them, why do you break God's commandment? How are they doing that? Because of your tradition. See, they've got the order wrong. Their traditions are now usurping the word of God. Jesus says in verse four, for God said from the 10 commandments, honor your father and mother. And whoever speaks evil of father or mother must be put to death. Verse five, but you say by your traditions, Pharisees, whoever tells his mom or dad, hey, whatever benefit you may receive me, receive from me is a gift committed to the temple. And you Pharisees teach, verse six, you don't have to honor your father or mother if you say that. But Jesus says, in this way, you've nullified the word of God because of your tradition. The Pharisees had tons of traditions, some to elevate their own sense of righteousness, their own sense of importance, their own spirituality. But with this tradition, Jesus points out to them, you have wiggled out of trying to obey God's word. They know the Bible says, honor your father and mother. But they came up with this process that in Hebrew is called korban. Here's how it would work. Back in this day, they didn't have 401ks. They didn't have retirement plans. You know what your retirement plan was? Your kids. When you couldn't go out and sell anymore in the market, when you couldn't go out and work the field anymore, when you couldn't make clay pots, you know who did it? Your son, your daughter. And they, you, you moved in with them. They moved in, whatever. You, they fed you. They took care of you. They paid for whatever you needed. But what's happening is the Pharisees figured something out that they think, that tradition they came up with. If you say, I'm gonna dedicate my life and all my goods and services to the temple, well, then I can't give it to my parents. You see? This is all for God now. I can't give it to you guys. I'm sorry. I can't honor you. I can't take care of you now because I've dedicated my life to God. And so I need this money because when I die, it's all gonna go to the temple and I'm gonna give a max gift to the temple after I die. I'm sorry, I can't give it to you. That sounds so spiritual, doesn't it? And Jesus, what does Jesus say about that? You bunch of hypocrites. Act like you're serving God, but harming your parents and dishonoring them in the process. They have inverted their authoritative word. Their own word has now usurped God's word and they've wiggled out of obeying. So listen, beloved. There's a real danger for us. We have the same danger of inverting whose word is really the authority in our lives. God's or ours. God's ways are ours. When Jesus says, and what Jesus says, or is it gonna be what we say? trying to do what we want and then duct taping some Bible onto it. That's one of the most grievous things we do. Try to find something that we really wanna do that we know is probably not a good thing to do, but we just wanna find a verse, take it out of context. Even it's something like, what? I don't even know. I just, I'm gonna give you any ammo and then put it on there. <laughs> there are no loopholes to Jesus as Lord. One of the things that we really struggle with as American Christians is we have no idea what a monarchy is. We've only read about them, we've seen them, but we've never lived under one. If you are a Christian, you live under one. Jesus is not president. Jesus is king. Jesus is Lord. And there are no loopholes with the Lord. There are no workarounds with the king of kings. And there will be a consistent temptation in your life to try to wiggle out from under his authority and try to establish your own. Because I'm an American, because I do things my way. This is a free country. 
You read what God words, God's word says about sexuality. And you think, well, I'm gonna do this. You see what God's word says about lust, marriage, romance, money, work ethics, parenting, prayer, and on and on and on. And but yeah, but I'm gonna do this. I could just do it this way. Evangelism, missions, giving. Oh, I know, but I'm gonna do it this way. Could Jesus say to anyone in here today, why do you break God's commandment? Because of your way of thinking. Why are you breaking my word? Because of your word. Why don't you care about my word? If you are an apprentice of Jesus, if you're a disciple of, Christian, a disciple of Christ, I hope Jesus cannot say that to you. I, I understand why, if you, if you aren't a Christian, why you aren't compelled to follow the words of Christ. You aren't there yet. You haven't seen what Jesus' death and resurrection mean for us, truly mean. What you need first is Jesus to forgive you of your sins and to, and to set you free from your sin. And when he opens up those prison doors and then you'll be eager to follow him and eager to walk with him. And he's willing to do that for you today, but that's where you must begin. But for those of us who have been set free from our sins, if you are a disciple of Christ, you should have a devotion to his word, to do what he says, to love him and to wanna follow him. So are there any areas of your life where you are trying to wiggle out from his word and, and still comfortably call yourself a Christian? You should not comfortably call yourself a Christian long if you try to wiggle out from under his word. That'd be like saying, I'm a vegan, but I'm still gonna eat steak and chicken three out of four days, three out of seven days of the week. You're not a vegan. Yeah, I said I am. I even like went to the store and bought a vegan book. I read my vegan book like once a week. I talk to other vegans. I'm part of a vegan group on Facebook. We have vegan cookouts, vegan meetups. But, you know, I mean, three out of four days is three out of seven is still pretty good. It's not the majority. Would you say, oh yeah, Jeff's totally a vegan? No. Having a vegan cookbook doesn't make you a vegan. Hanging out with other vegans doesn't make you a vegan. Going to vegan meetups doesn't make you a vegan. The same thing's true for being a Christian. Coming to Christian meetings doesn't make you a Christian. Having a Christian book doesn't make you a Christian. Calling yourself a Christian doesn't make you a Christian. Being a Christian, being in Christ, following Christ, walking with Christ, trusting Christ. If you say you're a Christian, but you don't do any of those things, you're delusional. This is why Jesus says at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, whoever hears my words and what? Does them. Does them. We know there's a lot of hearing that goes on in churches. We hear the Bible, we hear songs, we hear Bible studies. Then there always will be a lot of hearing in the church. But sometimes we get grace so twisted when we think there's not a lot of doing though. No, there is a lot of doing. The book of James says there is a lot of doing. Jesus says there is a lot of doing, but it's a doing from faith, not a doing for faith. There's a huge difference. Doing for faith will not save you. Doing from faith shows you are saved. As Kanye West says in Close on Sunday, 
He says, follow Jesus. Then he says two things, listen and obey. Follow Jesus, listen and obey. That is the gospel of Matthew. Listen and obey. And that will help us avoid the third danger that Jesus is highlighting here of meaningless devotion. Meaningless devotion. How many times, how many times have you taken your phone out to record your kid while they're playing sports or to record a cool bird you saw um, or to catch your dog doing something funny and you totally miss it? I remember one year we were surprising our kids with a trip to Disney World. They had no clue. And we told them, we have to go pick up my parents from the airport, uh, from their house at 5.30 a.m. because we gotta take them to the airport. They need a ride, so we gotta get there super early. And the kids are like, okay. And so we go to my parents' house super early. We go to pick them up, and they're wearing shirts, my mom and dad, they're wearing shirts that say, I'm going to Disney World. And IVC's like, what? Y'all are going to Disney World and we're taking y'all? That's rude. That's not fair. And so then I, I had my jacket zipped up. I was wearing a different jacket. And I unzipped it. It's like, have you look. And I had my shirt, same one. I'm going to Disney World. She's like, you too? <laughs> Who's going to watch me and Oliver? And then I take my phone out and I'm starting to record. And I think Nally threw her shirt and said, open that Ivy. She opens it. I'm, I'm, oh, and she just fell down and collapsed and she's like faking and she's all, oh, hiding her tears that are coming out. She's so happy. And I'm looking at her and I've got my phone out and everything. I'm like, I got it all. Oh, I didn't push record. I hit the screen, but I didn't push record and I held my phone up for nothing. It was pointless. I missed it. Jesus looks at the Pharisees and says, all your hand washing is for nothing. It's meaningless. All your activity is meaningless, pointless. All your templing, all your synagoguing, all of it, nothing. There are scare quotes around their worshiping God. Look, look at verse eight. Jesus says in seven, Isaiah prophesied correctly about you Pharisees when he said, this people, these Pharisees, honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Verse nine, they worship me in vain. Teaching as doctrines, their human commands, their traditions, their ways. They worship me in vain. Quote from Isaiah, God's rebuking the nation of Israel and Jesus says, Isaiah's right about you guys too. You do all this stuff, all this worshiping, the one true God you think you're doing, but he knows it's all for appearances. He knows it's just Instagram religion. All for show, it's all posing. It's all turning your head in such a way to hide your double chin. It's all fake. They honor God with their lips, but their heart is far from him. They aren't truly in tune with the living God. God's heart isn't now their heart. God's concerns aren't their concerns. God's word isn't the driving force for them. It's their status, it's their appearance. So here's the danger for us, beloved. The danger here is that people could be doing Christianity stuff, but not have Christ. You could be doing Bible-y things, but not truly know the living God. You could be, the danger for disciples of Jesus and the danger for people in this church, in this service right now, is you could be reading the Bible, you could go to church, you could pray, you could serve, you could give, you could evangelize, you could go on mission trips, you could do all the outward things that the Bible calls for, and yet your heart be far from God. Your motivation 
God just doesn't, he just doesn't want the actions. He wants the affections. He wants the soul, the real you. So do you live the Christian life? Do you try to live the Christian life because you love God or because you just don't want to go to hell? Did you come to church today because your heart's united to Christ or because you live in the suburbs and you go to church? Did you come to church today because you've been saved by Jesus, your heart's been made new by Jesus, and you love Jesus, you want to follow Jesus, or just because it's New Year, it'd be a good thing to do? If you lived in the Middle East, would you, just, would you go to a mosque? If you lived in Thailand, would you just go to a, a Buddhist temple? But because you live in the suburbs, so you go to church. How did God hear your singing this morning? Would he say your heart is far from me? How does God perceive your listening to his word right now? Would he say your heart is close to me? And this really connects us to the last danger, danger four of ignoring the heart. Ignoring the heart. Look at verse 10. Remember all this kicked off with the washing of hands before a meal to avoid defilement. And look what Jesus says in verse 10. He summons the crowd. So he wants to set the crowd and everybody on the right path. Here's how we should think about this encounter with the Pharisees. He told them, listen and understand. He's, he's not being repetitive. Listen and understand. Those are very two different things. Listen and understand. It's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person. It's not eating with unwashed hands, Jesus is saying. But it's what comes out of the mouth. This defiles a person. Verse 12, then the disciples came up and told him, do you know that the Pharisees took offense when they heard what you said? So this all kicks off with the washing of hands before meal. Jesus rebukes them, he corrects them. And then they come up and say, hey, the Pharisees, they were upset by what you, by what you said. And Jesus says, where's my tiny violin? <laughs> Look at what he says, 13. Every plant that my heavenly father didn't plant will be uprooted. Leave them alone. My Bible has an exclamation mark there, and I love that. Forget them. They're blind seeing eye dogs. They don't get it. They're leading themselves and others into a pit. They are not from my Father, and they will not be long lasting. They will not be sustaining. They are destined to fail. Ignore them. They don't have anything to offer us. Verse 15. Gotta love Peter here. So Peter comes up and says, It's always Peter. Will you explain this parable to us? I don't even think Jesus is giving a parable. He's just talking. <laughs> we teach this parable. It's not a parable. I'm just telling you, it's not what comes into the mouth that defiles a person, eating with unwashed hands. It's what comes out. Peter thinks it's a parable. What do you mean by this? And then Jesus gets super real. He gets incredibly blunt and super honest. It's just plain with him. Have you ever seen the book, Everybody Poops? You haven't? Okay, Mary. So this is a book. This is a book. Everybody poops. Uh, no, it's animals. Just, it's all about, it's all about, this is what Jesus says right here. Everybody poops. I'm not kidding. Look at verse 16. Jesus says, do you still lack understanding? Don't you realize that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach? And then what, boys and girls? 
is eliminated. Literally, my Bible says, goes into the toilet. You could not get, Peter, this is the simplest lesson I'm ever giving you. You eat, you chomp, chomp, chomp. What happens, Peter? Goes into your stomach. We know our body takes the nutrients, takes the calories, takes everything it needs. And then what? Goes into the sewer, goes into the toilet, flush, gone. And Peter, <laughs> Jesus is like, you tracking with me so far? And then what? He says, that's not, verse 18, that's not what defiles a person. The Pharisees got it wrong. But what comes out of the mouth defiles a person. The Pharisees are way off. So here's what Jesus is saying. You want to know what's more revolting than a toilet? The heart. We've all got this image in our mind. The nastiest gas station bathroom you've ever seen. Ones that there's probably need to be biohazard stuff on these signs. The kind of gas station bathroom where you just had to go in desperation on a road trip and there was no buckies in sight and you had to go in there and you left your shoes behind. That place, that place is a cozy fireplace compared to the human heart. You would give that thing, that toilet, that commode a big old hug compared to the realness of the human heart. Look what Jesus says in 18. But what comes out of the mouth comes from the heart and this defiles a person, the real you. The heart is not the, when the Bible talks about the heart, it's not talking about the, the organ that pumps blood throughout our body. It is talking about the mission control of your life. The levers, the buttons, the screens, the command center, the boardroom of your life is your heart. And Jesus gives us insight into the inner workings of our heart when he says in verse 19, look, for from the heart come evil thoughts, comes murder, adultery, sexual immorality, thefts, false testimonies, slander, these are the things that defile a person. But eating with unwashed hands, give me a break. That doesn't defile a person. Pharisees are way off. Jesus says it's our, our sins, our, our actions, our words, our lies, our lusts, our greed, our immorality, our fornication, our gluttony, all the things that Jesus is talking about here. That it's not because of our surroundings. All the things that we want to blame. It's not our surroundings. It's not our conditions. It's not because of our stress. It's not because of other people. Jesus says, it came out from your heart. It's a part of our nature. A lion can only act like a lion. A dolphin will not be driving in traffic with you tomorrow. It's a dolphin. It's swimming in the sea. Everyone and everything acts according to its nature. What's in us, that's what defiles us. What's in us? Not the sins out there. It's the sins in here, in our hearts. Not eating with unwashed hands. See, the Pharisees ignored the heart. They only cared about externals. 
wanting to look right. They only cared about appearances. And Jesus says, that's empty religion. That's nothing. Window dressing. That's mannequin religion. And the great danger in North Houston, the great danger for everyone in this room is that we want to look right. We want to go to church and smile and say all the right things and say our marriage is great and say we're happy and we're too blessed to be stressed and all that kind of garbage. We put content filters on our Wi-Fi to protect our kids and the whole time we're hiding getting drunk by ourselves. And we daydream about being with someone else other than the person we sleep next to every night. We have our kids' devices blocked, but we go and cruise the digital dens of iniquity all night long. And we fly off in anger. But when people ask us how we're doing, ah, we're above ground. Give me a break. Jesus laments all of that and says, hypocrites, your heart is far from me. We do need our behaviors changed but not by washing of hands and not by just changing our behaviors and not by just ignoring the heart. I'm, I'm gonna fix myself. I mean, how will we change? How will we stop having these things in our lives? How will the slander and the lies and the lust and the, the greed, and how will these things change? The Pharisees, just wash your hands. The Bible says you need a new heart. Our greatest need is a new heart and it's promised to us in Ezekiel and the Old Testament when, he, when Ezekiel prophesies from the Lord when he says, I will sprinkle clean water on you. He will clean our hearts, but look, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness and from all your idols, I will cleanse you. All the things that you worship and you obsess about in your life, the Lord says, I will cleanse you from all of them. I'm gonna give you a new heart. I'm gonna take the heart that's filled with those things, filled with that slander, filled with that lust, filled with those murderous thoughts, filled with that rage. I'm gonna put a new spirit within you. I'm gonna remove the heart of stone. I'm gonna give you a living heart, a heart of flesh, a heart of real tissue. And I'm gonna put my spirit within you. I'm gonna cause you to walk in my statutes, not human traditions. You will walk in my statutes. You're gonna want to. You're gonna to wanna to obey my rules. Do you see this? This is what Jesus offers us. You can't just tack on Jesus's teachings onto your dead heart. They will fall off. The secret to the Christian life isn't just adding Jesus's teachings to your life. The secret to the Christian life is Christ himself. And it's all given to us in Jesus, for Paul tells us the equivalent of this passage in Titus 3. For we too were once foolish. We were disobedient. We deceived. We were enslaved by various passions and pleasures. We, we lived in malice and envy. We were hateful. We were detesting one another. But what happened? We washed our hands and we fixed our lives. No, but when the kindness of God, our Savior, and his love for mankind appeared. He saved us, not by works of righteousness that we could do, but by, according to his mercy, look at this, through the washing, 
Washing of hands, no, 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 same as Ezekiel. The washing of regeneration, of being born again. The renewal by the Holy Spirit. He poured out his spirit on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So that having been justified by his grace, we may become heirs with the hope of eternal life. This is what Jesus came to do. To give you a new heart. Real, sustained change. Soul level, life change forever and the heart can only be done by Jesus. And he died on the cross to take all of your defilement. This is what happens at the cross. He says, I will take all of your defilement, all of the things from your wicked heart, I will take them and you can have my clean heart. You can have my righteous heart. You can have my undefiled heart, my righteous life and I will die with your wicked heart on me. And when I die, you will live. And when I rise again from the dead, you will rise again with me. And he gives you new life. He takes out that dead, stony heart and he puts a new heart in you and teaches you how to live, teaches you how to follow him, teaches you how to obey him. And that's what you're probably wondering, and I, as I read these kinds of verses, I think the same thing. Well, why do I still struggle with sin? Why, why do I still stumble? Why do I still fall? Because we still have phantom heart syndrome. You've heard of people who they have the soldiers or others through diseases and sickness have to lose a limb. And they have phantom limb syndrome. Still feel it's there, still feel like it itches. You, people experience today with phantom uh, iPhone vibration syndrome. Your phone's not even in your pocket. You're like, oh, I think I felt it. Like, no, just phantom feelings. That old wicked heart has been removed, but we still have these phantom impulses in, in our old bodies. If you are in Christ, you have been set free from sin. You've been set free from all the sin and its effects, but not fully. We know that. And it's really easy to prove that you haven't fully been set free from sin and its effects yet. Why? We still die. These bodies still corrode and fall apart. We have already, but not yet, been fully set free from sin. That's why we will rise again from the dead with bodies that won't desire to sin, with bodies that will never want to sin, bodies that will only enjoy the presence and power of King Jesus forever. That's what Jesus came to give you, a new heart, a new life. Don't aim for just adjusting your life on the outside, just washing the outside of the tomb. Aim for new life with Christ with Christ as Lord, redeeming you and loving you forever. And there will never be any danger with him. He says, come to me and I will give you rest. I will give you new life. You will never cave in the pressure from phonies, pretenders. You won't misplace authority. Listen to my word. My sheep hear my voice. You'll never be led astray. You'll never have meaningless devotion. And you'll never ignore the heart because you'll have a new one with Christ. So come to him and he will give you rest. Let's pray together. King Jesus, help us now. Help us to not have meaningless devotion with you. That if, if we've come here today and just going through the motions, just, just here because it's Sunday, what else do we gotta do? I guess we'll go to church. Lord, release us from that hypocrisy. Set us free from that emptiness. 
and give us real life with you. Real religion, real hearts with you. Jesus, we, we want to follow you as the Lord of all. So we, we want to listen to your word. We want to follow your voice and help us now that any of these dangers, anything that we're susceptible to, if we've been pressuring people with traditions, if, if we've been falling into the wrong teachings, if, if we've misplaced authority, if we're ignoring our hearts, show us, Lord, and show us to the green pastures. Show us to the living water. And today, Lord, maybe someone just needs to be born again. They need to have the washing and renewal of the Holy Spirit over their hearts and have their sins forgiven and find new life with you, King Jesus. Lead them, call them home. Thank you, King Jesus. And it's in your name we pray, amen.